Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. And how many know that there are some things that you just ought to do every day, right? Come on, everybody, just look at your neighbor. Tell me every day, every day, every day. Stuff you ought to do every day. You ought to brush your teeth every day. You ought to use deodorant every day. You ought to take a shower every day. When you are in the shower, you should use soap every day. There's some stuff that you ought to do every single day. And so this series, we're having a little bit of fun with it. Soap for daily use. And we're talking about a soap of a different kind. Because when you get in the shower and you use the soap on your body, it washes your body. But we're talking about a soap for the soul. Everybody say soap for the soul. Soap for the soul. And the heart really behind this is this. If you've been around LifeGate for very long, you know that July is Bible month. Now, of course, every Sunday we talk about the Bible and it is very important to us here at LifeGate. But every summer during the month of July, what we do is we truly, really emphasize the Bible. And we really have two goals in the month of July. The first one is this, is that as your pastor, I want to teach you to fall in love with God's word. Man, I want you to have a passion and a heart for the word of God. I want to teach you how to read it, how to study it, how to make it a habit in your life so much that you just fall in love with it. And so that's our first goal. That's why we're doing this soap thing, which I'll tell you about in just a second. But the second goal in the month of July is this, that not only do I want you to get the Bible down in you, I want you to help us to get the Bible to people in the world that don't have a Bible. In fact, every year we do this thing called Fire Bible. And what Fire Bible is, is it's a Bible translation uh, ministry that actually translates Bibles into languages uh, of people in the world that do not have a Bible in their language. And so in the month of July, man, I'm trying to help you get a heart for the Word of God, and I'm having you help us to get the Word of God to people in the world that don't have a Bible, and we ask you to give towards that, which I'll be letting you know a little bit more in just a second. And so that's where the whole soap thing comes in, that actually soap is a Bible study method that we're teaching you. In fact, I learned it several years ago in my life of how to study the Bible using the SOAP method. And I believe that you can learn to not just read the Bible, you can actually learn to study the Bible. Now, I know some of you say, well, I don't know if I can do that because I'm not a pastor and I haven't been to Bible college and I don't know how to study the Bible. But using the SOAP method, I believe that it can be simple for you that every single one of us can learn how to study the Bible. And so we started telling you a little bit about it last week. If you were here last week, SOAP stands for four different words in our Bible study. If you know what they were, help me out. The S stands for what? Scripture, like two of you were here last week and you got it, all right? The S stands for Scripture, okay? The O stands for what? Observation. And then the A stands for what? Application. You're doing good, right? And then the P stands for what? prayer. And this is how the soap method works, that actually in your worship guide today, as you came in, you got one of these soap Bible study plans that we're doing together in the month of July. As a church, what we're doing is we're actually reading through the book of Acts. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. So one for each day, almost each day during this month, you got the little plan there. We're reading through the book of Acts together. Today, we are on Acts chapter eight. And here's how the soap thing works, is that when you read your chapter 
for today, before you start to read the chapter, what you're going to do is you're going to pray and you're going to ask God, God, show me something specific. Help me to hear from you as I read the passage today. And then as you read, what you're going to do is you're going to, as you read, there's going to be some scripture somewhere in there that I believe God is just going to enlighten to you and it's just going to, it's going to stand out to you. And when it does, you're going to write in your journal, on your phone, however it is that you take notes, you're going to write down S for scripture and then you're going to write down whatever that scripture is, okay? Then you're going to go to the observation part and the observation is this. Why did that scripture stand out to me? What was it that really stuck out? What, are, what do I observe in that scripture? It might be one thing, might be three or four things. You're going to write observation. You're going to write it down in your journal. Then you're going to get to the application part and you're going to say, how does this scripture apply to me personally in my life? What is it that I think God is saying to me through this verse or these few verses of scripture? You're going to write down your applications and then you're going to get to the prayer part and you're going to write down prayer. You're going to write down your prayer for today. Simple, right? Come on, everybody look at your neighbor. Even you can do it. Come on, just tell them. Even you can do it. So, so, so simple. And here's what we're doing. We're doing this every day together during this month. And then when we come together on Sundays, what we're doing is whatever the chapter is, for that particular day, which today happens to be Acts chapter 8, then here's what we're doing is we're just soaping it together. So we're just going to just do this thing, do this thing together. Today happens to be Acts chapter 8. And so as I'm studying through Acts chapter 8, there is a, is a verse that stands out to me. It actually just happens to be in, it happens to be Acts chapter 8 and verse number 1. And so that's your scripture for today. If you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there and let's look at it together. Acts chapter 8 and verse number 1. It says, and Saul approved of their killing him. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except for the apostles were, what is that word? Everybody say it out loud. Were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the message there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what was said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Verse 8, so there was great joy in the city. Now, in order to really understand these few verses here that are our scripture for today, you actually have to back up just a little bit into Acts chapter 7, which you read yesterday. And you find out in Acts chapter 7, there's, I mean, there's a tragic story. A man named, a man named Stephen who loved the Lord. And yet because he was a Christian, I mean, they brought him out and they threw rocks at him and, and they, and they stoned him to death until he died. I mean, just a, an incredibly tragic situation. And then we get into Acts chapter 8 and we see See that the scripture actually tells us that great persecution begins to break out in the church. I mean, so much so that, I mean, that they're taking this guy named Saul is going from house to house and finding out if people are Christians. And if they're Christians, he's dragging them out on the street and beating them and throwing them in to prison. I mean, just all kinds of pain. In fact, to the point where there's this, there's this great dread and this great fear that kind of overtakes the whole church, even to the point where the people who live there in Jerusalem actually as refugees had to start moving to other cities and other countries as they were 
running away from the great persecution that was happening in the church. You talk about some painful situations, right? I mean, I think sometimes we think we know what persecution is, but here in America, we have no idea. I mean, we think that if we post a scripture on Facebook and someone, you know, comments negatively about it, oh, we're being so persecuted. We have no idea. In this day, I mean, people were being beaten, thrown into prison, even killed because they loved Jesus. Now, man, that's some painful type of stuff. And yet right in the middle of this painful situation, right in the middle of this persecution, we see God doing some amazing things among the church. In fact, this is our observation for the day. If you've got, if you're going to take notes, you want to write this down here today. The observation is this, is that pain has a purpose. Everybody say that with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Pain has a purpose. Come on, some of you, your lips weren't moving. We're going to do it again. One, two, three. Pain has a purpose. Some of you are here today and you're facing some painful stuff. And you're going, why am I going through this? And what is happening? And here's what I want to tell you today, that the pain in your life It has a purpose. In fact, this is what we see right here in Acts chapter 8, that, man, they're facing persecution and they're facing struggles like have never been faced before. They're facing difficulties so much so that people are scattered from their homes to have to run as refugees away from the persecution. And yet in verse number 4, we find the purpose of the pain. Look what it says, that those who were scattered did what? They preached the word of God. That, that they were scattered to these other countries, but God even used the pain and the persecution and the struggle and the difficulties to get his word to places that did not have his word. And some of you are here today and you're facing some pain. You may not be facing it to the extent of what these people in Acts faced it, but you're facing some stuff maybe in your marriage, maybe in your finances. Maybe it's stuff that you're facing in, in maybe a relationship or maybe, maybe in your job or maybe it's a health situation and you're sitting here today going, man, I've, I'm struggling so much. And can I just tell you here today, I mean, I'd love to, to be able to tell you as your pastor that if you follow Jesus, you're not ever going to have any pain, but it's just not true. In fact, I'll tell you the opposite is true, that if you follow Jesus, there's going to be some painful times. You say, pastor, how do you know? Well, first of all, I know because I've experienced him for myself. But secondly, I know because Jesus promised it. In fact, in the book of John, Jesus says, in this world, what does he say? You will. You will have struggles. You have problems. You're going to have pain. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have situations in your life. Just because you're a Christian doesn't exempt you from struggles and pain. Sometimes it even means that there's going to be more struggles and more pain. You say, well, that doesn't seem very hopeful today. Well, here's the hope that we have, that even in the pain that you are experiencing in your life, there is a purpose. Some of you say, well, that sounds good, Pastor. I I know there is, but I wish I knew what it was. Pastor, can you tell me what the purpose of my pain is today? And I'm sorry to tell you, I I don't know what the purpose for your pain is because I don't know your situation. I don't know exactly what you're facing or what you're going through, but I can tell you that the Bible actually teaches us the purpose of pain in our lives. In fact, if you just study the scripture just a little bit, you really can narrow it down to these four things. If you're taking notes, you might write them down here today. The first one is that, that maybe God might want to use pain and struggle, discomfort, difficulties in your life. He might want to use those things to build your character. You know, the truth is, is that 
most of the time, we're pretty concerned about comfort, you know? Like, I want to be comfortable. I want everything to go smooth. I don't want to have a bad day. I don't want to have any pain. I don't want to have any struggle, whatever. And so we think, I'm going to come to Jesus, and he's going to make me comfortable all the time, and everything's going to be good all the time. But let me just tell you something. That's not the way it works. In fact, I mean, I've told you this before, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it again today. God is a whole lot more concerned with your character than he is with your comfort. Most of us are really concerned with how we feel And God cares about that, but let me just tell you what he cares about more, not just about how you feel. You know what he cares about? He he cares about who you are and who you are becoming. And so sometimes pain, even persecution like was happening in the book of Acts, sometimes this stuff comes into our lives, but we can have hope that there is a purpose for it. And that purpose might just be that God is trying to build you and form you and shape your character. And sometimes that's uncomfortable and sometimes it's difficult, but maybe God is using that to try to make you into who he wants you to be. In fact, one of my favorite passages of scripture in the whole Bible in James chapter one and verse two, it says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. James says, hey, when pain comes, when persecution comes, when trials come, when struggles come, when difficulties come, I can actually, I can actually be joyful in the middle of that. Like I can actually be happy, not because I'm going through the problem, but because I know that there's a purpose in the problem. There's a purpose in the pain that God is developing me and building me and making me more mature and making me complete so that I won't lack anything so that I can have the kind of character that God wants me to have. It's painful. It's uncomfortable, but that's how we grow. See, sometimes God might use the pain. The purpose of your pain might be that God might want to build your character. Others of you maybe are here today, and maybe, maybe God would want to use the pain and the struggle in your life, letter B, to teach you to depend on God. Now, think about this for a second. We've all done this, right? Like, when things are going smooth, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, things are going good. I don't, I don't maybe need to pray quite as much. Come on. Am I the only one? Things are going good in my life. Maybe I don't, you know, I went to church last week. Maybe I don't need to go this week. Cause, you know, everything's going smooth and, and whatever. I don't need to read my Bible today, you know, because everything's going good. But you let a problem come. Come on, right? And what happens? Like suddenly our prayer life goes through the roof. <laughs> suddenly we're at church on Sunday. We even come to the Sunday night prayer gathering. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, like, we got struggles. We got problems. We got, we got stuff that's happening. And this is what happens is that when problems arise, man, what does it do? It teaches us so many times to really focus on God and depend on God and get and get closer to him. And God knows this. And so sometimes he will even allow some struggles in our life because what he wants is he wants us to depend on him. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us to, to trust him in every way. You know, it reminds me of the story of, of Paul. You might remember him. He had some pain. In fact, he called it a thorn in his flesh. Like it was so painful that it was, it was something that was there all the time. He couldn't get rid of it. He asked God even three different times. He begged God, God, take it away from me. Isn't that what we do sometimes when we're going through struggles and pain? God, just fix it. I just want you to fix the problem. Come on, right now, fix it. Take it away, right? And yet God answered Paul in a different way than what he expected. He thought that Paul was just going to fix it. I mean, that God was just going to fix the problem that Paul had and the pain, the struggle. But that's not what, so what God did. In fact, he, he did something a little different. Even as Paul said, as it says three times, I asked him to take it away. And God answered him a little different. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to take it away. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you that my grace 
is enough for you. My grace is sufficient that in your weakness, in your struggle, in your trial, that I am enough for you. Even if I never even took your pain away, would I be enough? I'm going to teach you to depend upon me. And some of you are facing struggles right now. You know what God's trying to do? He's trying to, he's trying to teach you to lean into him and depend upon him in the middle of the situations. Maybe some of you are here today and maybe God might use, might use your struggle or use your pain. Maybe let her see to bring hope to someone else who is going through the same painful situation as you've experienced. How many know it's true? Like if you're going through something, you know, you want someone to be there for you, but you know what you really want is someone who's been through what you've been through to be there for you, right? You know what I mean? I mean, if you've ever been, you know, through a divorce, you know what you're really looking for? You're looking for somebody who else has been through it before that can help you, right? Because they, they have experience. They've, they've been there. If you've, if you've lost a child, man, what are you looking for? You're looking for someone who's been there as well because they, they have experience. Because see, here's the deal. There's, there's a difference between sympathy and empathy. How many of you know what I'm saying, right? Sympathy is this, hey, I feel for you. But you know what empathy is? Empathy is I feel with you. How many know there's a difference? And when you're going through a struggle, it's great to have someone sympathize with you, but what you really need is someone who can empathize with you, someone who has some, some experience, someone who's, who's been there, right? And here sometimes is the reason God uses struggles in our life. The pain sometimes is so that we gain some experience, so that later in life when we meet someone who's going through a pain or a struggle, who's going through what we have maybe already been through, we can comfort and strengthen and bring hope to them as well. In fact, this is what the scripture was talking about in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 8. Or actually, uh, in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3, look what it says. It says, praise be to the God and the Father of compassion and God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that, everybody say, so that, so that we can do what? We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. What's that saying? It's saying sometimes we go through pain and God gets us through it. He comforts us in the middle so that later when someone else is going through the same pain, we can give them the comfort and the strength that God has given us. Come on, that'll give you some hope. In the middle of the struggle, you may be in a struggle right now and maybe God's just giving you some experience. Maybe he's just, he's just preparing you so that you can minister to someone else. Letter D, write this one down. What's the purpose of pain? Maybe sometimes the purpose of our pain is simply to bring glory to God. Everybody say glory to God. To bring glory to God, to reveal God's glory. In fact, it reminds me of this, of this man in John chapter 9. He was blind. He had been born blind. And so the disciples bring him to Jesus and they ask Jesus, same kind of question we ask sometimes. They say, they say to Jesus, they say, now this guy was blind. I want you to heal him. And then they say, why was he, why was he born blind? Was it, was it him that sinned or was it, his, what is, was it his parents that sinned that caused them to be born blind? And isn't that what we think sometimes? Like if we're going through a problem, don't we start looking around like, did I sin? Did someone else sin? Did, right, right? And sometimes we think that the problem actually is a result of of our messing up and sometimes it is okay don't get me wrong when you sin there is consequence to that come on right but sometimes we're going through a a struggle or a trial it's not because we did something wrong actually sometimes it can even be because we're doing something right like I mean you look at the book of Acts and you look at the early church they weren't being persecuted because they did something wrong they were persecuted because they were 
doing something right, you know? And so sometimes we get this idea that, man, I've done something wrong. But sometimes the reason you're going through the trial is simply because God wants to use it to show his glory. In fact, they bring this blind man to Jesus and they said, well, who sinned, him or his, or his, his parents that sinned that caused him to be blind? And Jesus says this in verse number three of John 9. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. It says, but this happened, here's these two words again, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Man, this guy was born blind so that one day they could bring him to Jesus and Jesus could heal him and God could get all the glory. And man, I'm telling you, some of you, you're going through struggles. You try to figure out why am I going through this struggle? It might just be that you're going through the struggle because God wants to do some great things in your life so that you can give testimony of how great he is. And that brings hope to our lives that are here today. If you're going through a struggle or a problem, if you're experiencing pain, here's what you have to know is that that pain is for a purpose. It might be that that God wants to grow you. It might be that God wants to use you. It might be that God wants you to depend more on him. It might be that God just wants to show his glory through you. So that brings us to the application for today. What's the application from all of this? Well, here it is. You ready for this? That we can have joy even in the middle of pain. Come on, everybody say joy in the pain. You can have joy even in the middle of the painful situations of our lives. In fact, this is what we see in Acts chapter 8. Here's the church. They're being persecuted. They're being scattered everywhere. And yet, what was, what was the mood? I mean, I would think that, you know, if, if I had to leave my home and go to another country because I was afraid I was going to be killed because I was a Christian, probably I wouldn't be in a good mood. You know, I'd probably be upset. I'd probably be saying, man, this stinks. I don't know if this Christian life is worth it. I don't know if I should even follow God. It was easier before I followed God. I'd have all kinds of different things going on in my mind. But we see right here that the mood was this in verse number eight, that the mood was that there was great, what? Joy in the city. Are you kidding me? Like I'm having to leave my house. Like my friend just got killed by, they threw rocks at him. I mean, I'm thrown in prison, all this stuff. And, and there's joy. How can that be? And some of you are in situations and you've got all this stuff going on in your life. And you hear me stand up here saying, have joy in the middle of it. Praise God. Whatever you're going, ah, how am I supposed to have joy? Come on. You know what I'm saying? How am I supposed to have joy? And here's how you have joy. You ready for this? You have to understand that joy is not the absence of problems. Joy is the presence of Jesus. Come on, that was a good place for an amen right there. I'll say it to myself. Amen, pastor, that's good. Because here's the deal. You know, we're looking for so many times, we're looking for everything to go smoothly in life, and then I can be happy. But here's the deal is happiness and joy are not about everything going great. It's not about the absence of problems and pain and struggles. It's the fact that even in the midst of the pain and problems and struggles, that Jesus is there with me. I can have joy that goes beyond my circumstance. You say, well, pastor, that sounds good, but I don't know how to do it. Well, let's get practical. What are the application points for us today? Well, I just got three, just if you want to write them down. The first one is this. If you're going to have joy in the middle of your pain, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to stop asking why. Isn't that what we ask when we go through struggles? God, why? Why am I going through this? Why did this happen? Why did you, you know, let me lose my job? Why did my friend get sick? Why did my husband leave me? Why? All these whys, why, 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 why? And it's so easy to, to have those whys sometimes. I mean, that's a natural question, but that's the wrong question. You know what the right question is? The right question is how? God, how can you use this in my life? 
to make me more like you? How can you use this in my life to help me to trust you more? How can you use this in my life? The right question is what? God, what do you want to do through this situation in my life? God, what are you trying to teach me? What do I need to learn? So many of us spend all of our time trying to ask why. Man, the early church, they could ask why. Why are we being persecuted? We tried to serve you. We tried to tell people about you. And now we're being persecuted. Now they're throwing rocks at us and they're beating us up and throwing us in prison. And we're having to run from our, from our homes. We're refugees on the run. They could have easily said, why, 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 why is this happening? But they didn't say, why is this happening? Instead, they said, God, what do you want to do through it? And even though they were scattered around the world as they asked God, what do you want to do? What do you want me to learn? And how do you want to use this? What happened is that even though they were scattered around everywhere they went, they preached. And because they preached, what happened? The gospel that started there in Jerusalem actually moved to Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth, just like, just like we talked about last week, that Jesus said this was the plan. But guess what, guys? That would have never happened if there wasn't persecution. They would have stayed there and been comfortable in their home. In fact, we probably wouldn't be Christians sitting in this room today if the early church had not been persecuted. But there was a purpose in the pain. The purpose was to get them to move from where they were, to get the gospel to be spread around the world. And if they would have just sat there and asked, why am I going through this? They would have missed the purpose. Stop asking why. Start asking what and how. Number two, write this one down. Not only are we going to stop asking why, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start seeing bad situations as good opportunities. Man, this was a bad situation. They could have got stuck there, but you know what they did? They saw it as an opportunity to advance the gospel. They could have just felt sorry for themselves. And this says, this is terrible. This is a bad situation. And it was terrible. It was a bad situation. But instead, what did they do? They started saying, hey, this is bad, but God is good. And actually, God might even bring some good out of this. And the truth is, this is a theme we see throughout the Bible, that bad stuff happens to people, and yet God turns it and uses it for good. In fact, that's what the scripture tells us in Romans 8, that God causes all things to work together for good for those that do what? That love God and those that are called according to his purpose. If you love God, and if you're called according to his purpose, there may be bad stuff happen in your life, but here's what you can see, is that God can actually turn it and use it for good. It might be a bad circumstance, but that bad circumstance might turn into a good opportunity. Man, I got, I got kicked out of my home. I had to run away from people trying to kill me. That's a bad circumstance. But here's people that don't know about Jesus. Here's a good opportunity. See, this is how we have joy in the midst of the pain. We got to decide, man, when the bad comes, I'm going to see it through a God perspective. Number three, write this one down. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay focused. Everybody say stay focused. I'm going to stay focused on what really matters. In fact, I want you to think about this. Last time you went through a struggle, last time you had a bad day, last time stuff happened that just ruined your day, I want you to think about how much of it is really going to matter 10 years from now. My car broke down, air conditioner broke, whatever. How much of that's really going to matter 10 years from now? Chances are 99% of it's not even going to matter 10 days from now, let alone 10 years from now. So, yeah, so many times we get so focused on the things that really don't matter that we lose focus on the stuff that really does matter. And when all this stuff happens, it causes us to lose, lose our joy and lose our peace in the middle of it. And what we got to do is we got to go, does this really matter? In fact, I learned a, t- a technique a few, few years ago that's kind of helped me. I don't get it right all the time, but I try to, try to do this called the so what technique. Everybody say, so what? When stuff happens that tries to rob my joy, you know what I say? So what? 
Car broke down. So what? It's just a car. And I'm so frustrated. So what? It's just a car. Kid, you know, vomits on you and ruins your shirt. So what? It's just a shirt. I can get another shirt. I got 50 of them in my closet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, stuff happens. You say, so what? I'm not going to let that keep me from having the joy that God wants. And I know some of you, you're saying, well, the thing that's happened in my life is painful. It's not just a so what thing. It's not just that my car broke down. It's not just I had a bad day. Let me just tell you something today. I, I know. Maybe I can't fully understand because maybe I haven't been there, but can I tell you I care? And God cares. And I'm not in any way trying to belittle what you have faced and what, you are, what you're going through. Some of you are going through some stuff that is so painful and it's such a struggle. You can't just say, so what? And I, I understand and I get that, but you can also see it through a godly perspective to the point even where you say, you know, hey, it may be big, but in light of eternity, I mean, this is what Paul says. Here's Paul who's been beaten up, thrown into, thrown into a prison for preaching the gospel. I mean, here's a guy who's been whipped. He's been shipwrecked. He's had all kinds of stuff. At the end of his life, he winds up being beheaded because he's a Christian. And yet, here's what Paul wrote. Paul said, for our light and momentary struggles are producing for us something, a crown, something great that far outweighs them all. Think about that. Here's a guy who... Man, a guy who has had to struggle. I, I know some of you got some struggles, but chances are you hadn't been you hadn't been beaten up or thrown into prison or been in a shipwreck or any of these type things for the gospel. And yet here's this guy who has just an incredible, an incredible perspective on things that he says, man, this bad stuff happens, but really when I weigh it in light of what Jesus has done for me and in light of eternity, really it's, it's light and momentary. Are you kidding me? You're in prison. Light and momentary. It's temporary in light of all of eternity. And I'm telling you, man, when you get that kind of perspective on things, even when pain and struggles and difficulties come, you can recognize, hey, there's a purpose in it. Maybe God's trying to teach me something. Maybe God's trying to grow me. Maybe God wants me to depend more on him. Maybe God wants me to learn and get some experience so I can use it to help others. He wants to bring glory in my life, so I'm going to have joy in the middle of it. I'm going to stop asking, why is this happening? I'm going to start asking God, what do you want me to learn? What do you want to do in this situation? I'm going to stay focused on what really matters, and that is that, hey, I'm may have struggles in my circumstances, but I got a God who loves me and he's here with me and he has a purpose for my life. And if I'll trust him and if I live according to his purposes, then he will turn it around and use it all for my good. Scripture, scripture teaches us so much. Acts chapter eight, verse one, observation, pain is for a purpose. Application is I can have joy even in the middle of the pain. So what's the prayer today? The prayer is this, God help me. Even in the middle of the pain and the struggle and the things that I'm facing, God, help me to stay focused on what really matters and help me to experience your joy in the middle of my pain.